guys. Welcome back to Forgotten Books. My podcast where I bring you books that were favorites once upon a time, but which have somehow slipped through the cracks in our memories and become forgotten. I am the greedy reader and I'm so happy to be back. I was unwell for a bit and then there were so many other things happening that I just couldn't pay attention to my podcast. And it's been some time since my uh, last episode. I'm so sorry for that. But now I'm back and I'll be getting back to my 10, 20, 30 format. That means I'll be posting episodes on the 10th, 20th and 30th of each month. So how have all of you been? I hope you guys have been taking care of yourself and doing at least a bit of reading. So now, let's move on to the book of today. The forgotten book of today. This time, I have got a book which is slightly big. But it's so interesting that the length will not be an issue at all. I am talking about Shogun by James Clavell. Published in 1975, it's nearly 1,200 pages long. It's set in uh, the year 1600 in Japan and it's one of the earliest books to take an in-depth look at life there. James Clavell has written six books and uh, these are all based in Asia and they are together called the Asian Saga. So chronologically Shogun is the first one and the other five are Taipan, Gaijin, King Rat, Noble House and Whirlwind. Now some of them follow the um, what, what, what can I say, the fortunes of a huge trading company called Struans. So that is uh, Clavel's Asian saga. If you're interested in that, start with Shogun. And coming to the forgotten book of today, Shogun. Like I said earlier, it's set in the year 1600 in Japan. And Clavel has once said that a sentence in his daughter's textbook gave him the idea for this novel. And that sentence was about an Englishman who went to Japan in the year 1600 and became a samurai. So, first I'll just tell you a bare outline of the political situation in this novel when the story starts. Now, that will really help you understand everything that's happening. Uh, so, what has happened is that the Taiko or the supreme leader who was the center of power has died and his heir is a child. Okay, so uh, there are five prominent daimyos uh, who have been chosen by the Taiko to form a council of regents. So the Taiko has appointed the council of regents, these five daimyos, and they are supposed to um, govern or rule in the name of the heir. Okay, so out of these five daimyos, there are two prominent guys. Ishido and Toranaga. Now, this entire novel is of the conflict between them and the characters who become a part of their story. So, uh, because of the political and social structure in Japan during those times, these two daimyos, they are not able to wage an outright war against each other. There is the question of saving face and, you know, so many other social structures that they have to follow. So it's fascinating to see how these two daimyos, they try to outwit each other again and again and again. And they try to gain an advantage over the other and gain control over the council. Uh, one more factor in this equation is the uh, Protestants and Catholics, the Christians. So the Portuguese have come, um, Portuguese protest, sorry, the Portuguese Catholic priests have come to Japan and converted many people to Christianity. Now, when uh, this novel starts, the first European has landed and he is a protestant. The actual story in Shogun starts with a shipwreck 
off the coast of a small Japanese village in Izu. So it's a Dutch ship and it's called Erasmus. But the captain is an Englishman who's John Blackthorne. Now he is our main protagonist. John Blackthorne and his crew, they have lost their way. They had no idea that they are near the coast of Japan. They had lost their way in a huge storm. And when the shipwreck happens, they are rescued by the villagers. Uh, Blackthorne and 10 of his men, they are rescued by the villagers and brought uh, ashore. And it's only then that they realize that they are in the Far East. So, uh, there is a local samurai called Omi who has taken charge and uh, Omi's uncle is another small daimyo called Yabu. And Yabu has actually openly supported Toranaga but he's very ambitious and he somehow wants to get more prominence and more importance. So, he is thinking of slowly and, uh, um, you know, carefully uh, supporting Ishido. And when the ship is uh, shipwrecked, Yabu rushes there. Yabu has been in Osaka with Toranaga because Toranaga has called all his daimyos who support him to be with him. And uh, Yabu is supposed to be there, but he quietly goes away without telling anybody because he realizes that this ship is of immense importance. The ship, the goods that the ship carries are guns and cannons. So Yabu comes to this village. He tries Blackthorn and his men as pirates and he sentences them to death. But before Blackthorn uh, can be put to death, Toranaga's man reaches there. And uh, he just goes ahead and claims the ship and the crew as property of Toranaga. And Yabu cannot do anything. Yabu is consumed by rage that his plan has been foiled. But he keeps quiet because he knows that he cannot afford to show his anger on his face. He keeps quiet and he decides to wait for a better opportunity. And then Blackthorn is taken along with the guns and the ship to Osaka. Osaka, there's a castle there where the heir is stationed. So the council of regions also have to be there. And that is why Toranaga and Ishido are there in Osaka at that time. So Blackthorn and the guns are taken to uh, Osaka by ship. And uh, Toranaga is fascinated by this barbarian, this Blackthorn. And with the help of a Portuguese Catholic priest, he questions Blackthorn. And he realizes that this person is a valuable resource. He realizes that this person knows so much about the outside world. Now you must understand that Japan is a very, very insular country. Was a very, very insular country. And they did not allow anybody to land on the shores. Okay, so uh, Toranaga is fascinated when um, Blackthorn comes and talks to him about the outside world. And what is happening there. Then there follows a series of events in which both Toranaga and Ishido try to get control over the custody of Blackthorn. And in the middle of all this, there's an assassination attempt on Blackthorn's life. And then Toranaga starts suspecting Yabu and his loyalty. Then tensions get worse because Toranaga has to resign from the region's council. Ishido has made a couple of moves which pressurizes Toranaga to take this step. And Toranaga realizes that he has to move away from the Osaka castle or his life will be in danger. He, as he's escaping, uh, Ishido comes there and it's Blackthorn who steps in and helps Toranaga escape. And once they're outside the castle, Toranaga realizes that he cannot go anywhere by road because all the roads are guarded and the only recourse is to take a ship to a safer place. So our man Blackthorn again steps in 
and he with his superior naval knowledge of the warfare and um, what happens in the sea and what happens with ships he takes toranaga to a safe place called anjiro in the course of his adventures blackthorn learns basic japanese then there is mariko mariko is the wife of a samurai who's loyal to toranaga so toranaga calls her and asks her to be responsible for blackthorn and to interpret for him and to get him to understand the ways of japanese life Initially Mariko hates it she hates this barbarian who has no idea about their culture and who who seems so uh, clumsy and untidy and unhygienic so Mariko just hates him and moreover Mariko is a catholic so she just cannot stand blackthorn but gradually as she interacts more with him she realizes that this guy is actually a very good person and uh, they are strongly attracted to each other then what follows is a brutal power struggle between toranaga and ishido and on another level we can also see the conflict between the catholic priest and the protestant blackthorn and what i found fascinating in this book is the way of life of the japanese in another century their ceremonies that are so integral a part of their daily life the strict social rules that have to be adhered to the strange contrast of mindless brutality and the appreciation of the delicate beauty of nature and life around them this was like so fascinating for me you know there is initially there is one um, incident where uh, yabu sentences a person to be tortured to death and his screams can be heard but we find that yabu is sitting in this beautiful little garden he has transported himself to another world and he composes a beautiful haiku so all these things are uh, so wonderful to read and uh, clavel has uh, brought it out in such a way that it does not feel like preaching he just brings it out through the lives of his characters and we also find that the japanese are very insular and they are highly dismissive of europeans and the way they live so there are conflicts on so many different layers but nowhere does it get overwhelming because james clavel has a firm hold on the narrative and he takes it forward without faltering the samurai their customs their moral compass all this is something that clavel has been able to bring out well now in case any of you are interested in this era in japan you should watch the netflix documentary which is called age of samurai and actually Toranaga in Shogun is based on an actual shogun called Tokugawa and this documentary The Age of Samurai follows the coming to power of Tokugawa and if you have read Shogun that makes it all the more interesting so coming back to the book uh, the fates of Toranaga Blackthorn and Mariko are all bound to each other and the end is i felt what it should be it's it's just right i'm not going to reveal it now please read the book and get pulled into the year 1600 in japan i really enjoyed rereading shogun you know uh, you know in fact i've read it so many times over the years and if you see my copy of the book you'll understand because it is tattered and worn and and it's so comfortable this particular comfort in holding such a book and that's why i love second hand books also because there is a strange connection you have to so many people who have read it before and you feel their imprint on the pages so just by looking uh, at the second hand books and taking them and feeling it i feel so happy and so comforted
So we have come to the end of this episode of Forgotten Books. Thank you so much for listening to me for so long. Do take some time out of your schedule. Catch up on your reading. Sit on your veranda. Sit in your room. Sit on the floor. Or sit wherever you're comfortable, but just read. In fact, you know, if you... Even if you don't read, just carry a book around with you because gradually you will start reading it. This is me, the greedy reader, wishing you all a wonderful weekend. Today is only Thursday, but still. And if you have any feedback or suggestions for me, please send me a message on Instagram where I'm the greedy reader. Or you can come and leave messages on my website, which is again www.thegreedyreader.com or you can message me on my YouTube channel The Greedy Reader and I've shared all these details uh, in the description of this podcast so till we meet again my beautiful beautiful listeners take care stay safe bye bye